Hello everyone, welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're getting close. We're close. We're inching closer and closer to the season. Closer and closer to my preview pods being over. I got three more. Today's the NL West. Later this week will be the AL West and then... I am planning right before opening day to put up my comprehensive Mariners preview for all the Mariners fans who listen to this podcast. And there are predominantly Mariners fans who listen to this podcast. But I've enjoyed doing the previews for all the all the teams. I really am just a junkie and keep up with uh, every team and what they're doing. So yeah, a lot of people probably won't listen to these who are Mariners fans, but... I'm glad to do them and uh, learning about the league and each team. Very interesting to me. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into it. The NL West, baby. The NL West. What a division. Uh, I'll start off with the Rockies. Start off with the Rockies and for good reason because I'm not going to talk too much about the Rockies. Uh, The Rockies went 68-94 last year. Their Pythag was 65-97, and 97, so won a few more games than maybe they should have, but um, they did win a surprising amount of walk-off games last year, which was really interesting for a team that won 68 games, winning like more than a few walk-offs is really weird. Um, but, but what went wrong for them last year? I mean, it's not like they were going into the year thinking they were going to do anything. Uh, really, like their only above-league average hitter, Park adjusted, of course, was CJ Crone. He had 107 OPS plus. Everyone else was sub 100 who played, you know, a f- more than half a season. Um, this dude, Chris Bryant. Y'all remember Chris Bryant? Y'all remember when he signed with the Rockies for some reason? He was good in the 42 games that he played. He hit really well, as he's probably going to do this year if he's fully healthy. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't healthy last year and he played 42 games. So. Uh, Ryan McMahon was pretty good. I do like Ryan McMahon. And then Brendan Rodgers had a really, really slow start to the year. Um, really just a bad April, but was pretty league average to somewhat above league average after that, which was encouraging. Uh, Charlie Blackman continues to age and decline. The rest of their hitters, I mean, this is just a bad team, y'all. Like, of their pitchers who were good last year, Kyle Freeland was the only one who was slightly above league average with like park adjusted stuff, uh, with 103 WRC or not WRC plus ERA plus, and 174 innings. Like Herman Marquez was fine; he threw 180 innings, which is good. But, ugh, man, this is just a bad team. Uh, reliever wise, Daniel Bard was actually quite good for them last year. Um, same with Carlos Estevez, and then also Lucas Gilbreth. Um, in terms of relief appearances, uh, those are the three best relievers. Those guys worked the most besides Jose Urena out of the bullpen. And, or, no, Jose Urena did not work out of the bullpen. He was a peripheral starter. Um, but, yeah, yeah, just not, just not a good team. I mean, not surprising it's not a good team, obviously. Pretty terrible. Um... The two guys that I mentioned who had pretty good years last year, Lucas Gilbreth and uh, Brendan Rodgers, who is um, one of one of the only guys who's come up with a lot of optimism with them in the past couple of years, kind of ahead of their top prospects right now. Brendan Rodgers, been in the league a couple of years now. I, I 
there's high upside there. He is a gold glove second baseman, really good defensively. Um, and again, his hitting came along last year. Uh, but going into this year, he's probably going to miss the whole season. He um, had to get surgery on his shoulder, and it looks like he's at least going to start the year on the 60-day IL. Most likely will miss the year because there's no point in rushing him back. This team is not going to do anything this year or next year, likely. So he's out for the whole year. One of their bright spots last year. Gone for the year. And then also Lucas Gilbreth, who I mentioned, he had Tommy John. And he's out for the year, probably. So they miss another, you know, one of their top three bullpen arms from last year and a bad bullpen. So there's really not a whole lot to look forward to with this team this year. They're projected around 65 wins, so they're projected to do almost the exact same thing that they did last year. Um, There's just, like, two players who I look forward to watching this year besides, like, I like watching C.J. Crone and Ryan McMahon hit in Coors because they hit big dingers, especially C.J. Crone. Like, that's fun to watch. But uh, Chris Bryant, hopefully, just I hope he plays a full season just for his sake. Um, and he'll he'll hit really well. And I just, again, I'm still very confused as to why he signed with the Rockies. I mean, I guess he got the ring with the Cubs and uh, then just got the bag and gets to hit at Coors half the, half the year, which is good for him. But the story this year will be uh, Ezekiel Tovar, who will probably play the lion's share of shortstop for them this year. He is their top prospect. He's one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Uh, projects to be... Just a really good all-around shortstop. I think his fielding grades out super well, uh, and his hit tool is good. Not a huge amount of uh, game power, I don't think, but in Coors, obviously, he'll hit for more power than usual. He has a pretty decently like large frame, so his his scout graded power will, assuming he 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 bulks up maybe a little bit to his his frame. He's like six one. Uh, he'll hit for more power, but. He's really the only guy I'm looking forward to watching on this team this year from a young person perspective. Him and Brendan Rodgers look like a, a good shortstop, second baseman, middle infield duo for them in the next coming years. Obviously, there's no you know, sure thing, especially with prospects, but Ezekiel Tovar seems like he's going to be a very good player at the big league level, and he will probably play all of second or shortstop for them this year, barring injury. And then... Zach Veen is the other one. I feel like Zach Veen has been in this organization for so long now. Um, but he also seems to be a verging on five-tool outfielder. I'm not going to call him a five-tool outfielder, but he's huge. He's 6'4", huge power potential, good hit tool, can run pretty fast, has a good arm, fielding grades out well enough. Um, so I, I'm assuming he'll see the field this year at course. Um, There's no one really up in the bigs in the outfield specifically that's blocking him. Uh, And he still has only reached double A. Obviously, there could be injury preventing him or just lack of production, but I would find it hard to believe if we don't at least see him in September. Uh, Again, because the outfielders they're looking at right now, they signed Drixon Profar. He'll play left. um, Or right, I guess, if Chris Brown wants to play left or right. They'll both either play right or left. And then uh, Jonathan Danza or Daza in uh, center field will play, and with Randall Grichuk probably. Um, Grichuk starting the year on the IL as well with the groin, but that's their outfield. So there's really like not, there's not like superstar talent blocking Zach Veen from uh, coming up this year, and I think we'll see him in the bigs. 
I really like, they have another dude whose who's name is Warming Burnabell. I'll say it again. Warning Burnabell. It's a sick name. Um, we might see him in the bigs this year. He's only uh, reached high A, so I presume he'll start in either high A or double A this year. And he's another prospect. I don't know. I haven't heard anyone talk about him. I just know that his name is Warming. Um, Michael Toglia, who's a first base prospect for them, I don't think super highly touted, but switch hitting first baseman will probably uh, get some some reps at first base this year with CJ Crone obviously blocking him there, but um, DH and first base will probably be split between like Blackman, Bryant, Mike Mustakas is on this team, uh, Crone, Toglia, what what have you. This team is just bad. I really don't want to keep talking about them. Because um, we know, like, who Herman Marquez is, Cal Freeland, Anthony Senzatella, who's hurt, Jose Urania, Austin Gilmer, those are their pitchers. Like, Daniel Bard is still a good reliever and maybe a trade candidate if they really just want to tear it down. He is, like, nearing 40, though, so how much can you really trust um, a closer who's nearing that age? I mean can be pretty random. Um man, no, I'm 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 out talking about this team. It was funny they signed um Profar. I I see him as a Will Myers type signing, like Will Myers signed with the Reds, and I can totally see him just getting traded mid season if he's really hitting the cover off the ball. Same with Jurix and Profar. Both those guys could be pretty useful depth pieces at least for contenders. Uh so I can see Profar potentially getting flipped at the deadline if he's hitting like he did last year. Um, and obviously would be aided a little bit in Coors. And yeah, they, that's this team. I mean, they signed Brad Hand. They, they, I don't, I don't even know, man. Not much. One thing I will say is they did draft my man Gabriel Hughes at the 10th pick in the draft last year uh, out of Gonzaga. Go Zags. Uh, I've personally watched this dude pitch. He's an absolute um, gamer on the mound, super professional, really smart dude. Uh, the Rockies have really liked what they've seen from him so far. Uh, really good fastball, grades out well, um, good slider. Uh, all he needs to really work on is the other secondary pitches and maybe a little bit control, but he has such a good work ethic. I guarantee he will be in the bigs probably sooner rather than later. Um, that 10th pick was a reach for sure, but he signed under the slot value. So that was definitely the strategy there for the Rockies, but I did want to shout out Gabe Hughes and my Rockies uh, preview. So that's the Rockies. That is the Rockies. Uh, not much about this team. They're playing in a tough division, too. They will win um, probably in the 60s games. They're just not good. Like, what is their over-under? Let's see. Let's see. Oh, it's not the lowest. 67 and a half. I will take the under. I'll take the under. Under 67.5 for this this Rockies team. I just don't don't really see them making any noise out of this division at all. So I'm done with the Rockies. Let's move on to a slightly better team, the San Francisco Giants. The Giants' um, definition of just a middling ball club. They went 81 and 81 last year. Their Pythagoras was 83 and 79. Uh, this year... They are projected around 
83-84, which is a little high for my taste. Zips is really high on this team. They project them around like 88 wins, which is craziness to me. Uh, it seems not that good, uh, particularly because of the injury risk with the players they signed. But, um, you know, if any team is going to be projected for a low win total and go on to randomly win the World Series or win, say, 108 games and win the division, it'll be the Giants. I mean, what a weird 2021 to then 2022. Like, how are they going to follow that up? Everyone knew that team was not a 108-win team, but they willed themselves to do it. And it's the Giants. Like, it's very hard to go into the year and say the Giants won't win 80-plus randomly, even though they maybe shouldn't. Um, They got some weird magic over there in the Bay. It's just strange, this team. Uh, And the offseason, obviously, was weird. But if you told a Giants fan, like, the players they signed this offseason in a vacuum, they'd probably say, like, hey, that's not, you know, that's not too bad. Could have been worse. They got some, some solid dudes. Um, but because of the, the circumstances of how their offseason unfolded, um, safe to say they're probably pretty unhappy. I mean, so much potential, and they ended up with so much pain. So, obviously, the arson judge thing happened. Uh, infamously, John Heyman tweets arson judge to the Giants. And as we know, that um, was not really that close to coming true. He was way closer to actually signing with the Padres rather than signing with the Giants, but obviously we know he went back to the New York Yankees. Um, That's Aaron Judge, that is. Arson Judge, still unsigned, still a free agent. So the Giants could theoretically still sign Arson Judge to play their outfield. The only reason Aaron Judge was even rumored to go to the Giants is because he's he's from, like, the Bay or from that area. He's from Fresno. Uh, So naturally, you know, they went with that route. He's close, you know. He's a hometown kid. He likes the Giants. He's going to sign here. No, he's not. The Giants don't sign guys like that. So it wasn't surprising at all that John Heyman, A, messed up in a funny way on Twitter. He's done that before. Not as much as Bob Nightingale, but, you know, no one is Bob Nightingale. And two, it's like the Giants just simply do not sign the big free agents. They just don't. That's not how they operate. That's not how they do it. They've never really signed the big free agent. I just don't think they ever will because... Then Carlos Correa was announced, and it was like, oh my god, the Giants actually signed a big free agent. They did it. And then the ankle happened. Everyone clowned him, including me. And it seems like there was some, uh, you know, credence to them not signing Carlos Correa. I mean, he was going to go to the Mets then, and then the Mets, um, for some reason, saw the same ankle specialist as the Giants. And I'm hoping they also got a second opinion and was like, oh, yeah, maybe we don't want to sign this guy. Uh, So the Giants ended up, because of that, looking a little bit better in what they did. But he ends up going back with the Twins, and the Giants are left with Brandon Crawford still at shortstop instead of a superstar who could potentially bump this team into a playoff position with just war calculation in general. But no, they end up with uh, not... Aaron Judge, not Arson Judge, and not Carlos Correa, uh, who they do end up with after losing. They didn't lose too much. Tommy Lostello cleared waivers and was released. That's not all the other guys they lost. Like Brandon Bell became a free agent, who that's just a big culture loss in general. I thought they should have just re-signed him to a one- or two-year deal. Seemed like he should have just ends end his career with the Giants. Seems like that type of guy, but no. 
And then they lose Evan Longoria. They decline his club option. And then obviously the big loss, the really notable one, is Carlos Rodon. But he was never going to resign there. Um, there wasn't even chatter all last year about him resigning there. Again, they don't sign the big one. Well, who they did sign is a guy who's from the area who plays outfield, right field in particular. No, not Aaron Judge, but um, Mitch Hanniger. They signed Mitch Hanniger. He has no bleak injury right now. Um, that's just how Mitch Hanniger is. He is injury prone, plus he just gets unlucky. It's a real tough combination. I love Mitch Hanniger. So sorry to see him go, uh, but I wish him all the best in a Giants uniform. Uh, he's good when he plays, man. I hope he can get back to just being healthy and playing every day. Uh, they also signed Michael Conforto, who, similar to Hanniger's, had injury troubles at least the past like three seasons. But I think we forget just how good Michael Conforto was when he was healthy and playing all the time. He was one of the best hitters in baseball, like one of the best hitting outfielders in all of baseball uh, when he was playing. He was putting up numbers and then just had shoulder problems and hasn't quite gone back to playing a lot. Um, signed him to a two-year deal, so there's not a lot of risk involved here. If him and Hanniger play, like that's a pretty good outfield. I just you can't ever guarantee both of them are going to play all that much anymore. You just got to hope. Uh, the other big signing for them was Sean Manaya, and then Ross Stripling just kind of fills out their uh, pitching staff, which are good, um, good signings. And then they signed Taylor Rogers as well. So Taylor and Tyler both will be pitching in the same bullpen, which is pretty sweet. Um, the twins who pitch just completely differently, but you can tell they're twins, both in the same bullpen, which is sweet. I feel like they had to do that. That was awesome. Um, but again, you see like in a vacuum, those are good signings. Uh, nothing super flashy. You get some of upside with Mania. You know what Ross Stripling is. He'll, he'll complement the bullpen pretty well. And you know, if Michael Conforter and Mitch Hanniger can stay healthy, they're above average major league players. And Taylor Rogers is a great reliever. Uh, I, they're good signings. It's just they could have had so much more. Um, I, I'm going to eat the trash and go low on this team, even though the signings are good. I can just see depth offensively being the big, big issue here. Um, especially just the upgrades they did to the pitchers, to the pitching staff. I don't believe in Joey Bart as a catcher. I, his bat still has yet to come around from what I saw from him last year, catching wise. I, I mean, he can obviously improve. I don't believe he'll be a good big league catcher, especially defensively. Roberto Perez, at least, their backup, who or who's supposed to be the backup, who might just end up playing every day, at least his defense grades out well, and I think the pitchers will love throwing to him a lot more than Joey Bart. But then I talked about offensive depth. Like You got late night Lamont, who will play first base, who I'm a big fan, with J.D. Davis. That's their first base. Second base, Tyro Estrada, who's fine. He, his bat plays. Um, Brandon Crawford. At shortstop, like he has been for a decade for this team. David VR at third base. And then you kind of have Wilmer Flores as the utility man. You can play all the infield positions floating around. And I, I like Wilmer. He's a good utility guy. After that, eek, after that, I don't I don't know, man. Like maybe we see Marco Luciano 
up in the bigs playing shortstop. Uh, I hope so. He seems like a he seems like a type of guy who might flop. I don't know. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him, but he hasn't like lit the minors on fire like he was kind of expected to. But his ceiling is really high. Big frame, um, smart baseball player, uh, potential, just all around good shortstop. I just I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they got this dude Casey Schmidt. Casey Schmidt, who will probably end up uh, back. Uh, probably end up being a good depth guy later in the year if they are forced to call him up. Uh, he was a two-way prospect in college, which was pretty fun. But he's got good, uh, good arm strength, good hit tool. I don't know. I don't know what to make of him really. But yeah, I'd, the offense is just not like. There's not one guy who's going to anchor the offense and be the go-to clutch hitter on this team. They're going to giants their way into being a decent offensive team. I just know it. Because uh, in the outfields, Michael Conforto, Mike Yastrzemski, and Mitch Hanniger, and then like Jock Peterson, DHing slash playing outfield. Um, Austin Slater is starting the year hurt. Luis Gonzalez is starting the year hurt. It's not as much they don't have the depth of big league guys. They do. It's the quality of the depth and the quality of the starters. I just, there's again, there's not like a guy who can plop in the middle of this order and just hold it down. Uh, that would have been Aaron Judge. That would have been Carlos Correa, who would have complimented these guys really well. Like their best hitter, who like who's projected to be their best hitter? I think... <laughs> Lamont Wade, Tyrell Estrada, like, you can get on base. Um, Brandon Crawford, I guess, can still hit. Like, their best hitter should be Michael Conforto or Mikey Stremski or Mitch Hander. One of their outfielders should be their best hitter, but again, health is a problem. And I just, I, this team won't hit for, like, a tremendous amount of power. I don't, not, there's not, like, one guy who aggressively gets on base besides Conforto. Um, and again, Conforto, I'm just, I just, I hope he plays a full season. There's not, there's not a lot else on this offense. I really am looking forward to just kind of a bunch of mid, uh, the pitching staff is pretty solid though. The pitching staff is solid and there's depth. Uh, there's depth here for sure. Logan Webb is a bona fide ace. Logan Webb's an awesome pitcher, a uh, fantastic changeup slider, really shifty, um, aggressively giants type pitcher. I really like him. Alex Cobb has just continued to be a good pitcher late in his career, but I know he's currently like day to day with a knee problem. So um, I don't think it's anything too serious. I just don't think he'll start the year on the rotation. Talked about Shaman Nine, Ross Stripling. Those will be their three and four, probably. And then Anthony Descafani, who's again, he's a good back of the rotation guy who will probably throw a decent amount of innings at a low Ford's ERA. And then they also have Alex Wood. Kyle Harrison, they have depth at starters, so I don't think they're I don't think they'll be hurting for innings really, um, and they have an ace, so their their pitching staff is is fine, and per FanGraphs, their pitching staff projects to be the top half of mediocre, like in the ten to fifteen range in the league, which is by WAR, which is not too bad, kind of represents the rest of this team, just kind of middling. Uh, and they did, I mean, Taylor Rogers, the signing, really improves the back half of their bullpen 
um, which I think is where a lot of this giant's magic could come from. Camilo Duvall is awesome as their closer. He's amazing. Flamethrower. Taylor Rogers, like I said, great relief pitcher. Then, like, they have John Brebbia, Tyler Rogers, Scott Alexander, Jacob Junis, um, Sean Hell. I want to say Helly. It's the dude who's, like, 6'10". Looks absolutely ridiculous on the mound, but I cannot imagine ever facing a guy like that. Uh, like, Taylor Rogers and Camilo Duvall as your 8'9", or just high-leverage guys, is really solid. Those are two of the better relievers in baseball. So... And I'm confident the pitching the pitching staff is good enough to to put this team in winning positions every um, every night. Like the floor of this pitching staff is pretty high. The ceiling is pretty capped with whatever Logan Webb does and maybe Sean Manaya, but the floor is pretty high. And handing it off to those two guys back of the bullpen is good. Uh, they're just gonna need to score runs to do that, and I, they're gonna have to get creative. Uh, this team, really, I don't have strong opinions on this team because this team, I think, is projected for, you know, low 80s win total, and I think that is where they belong to be projected. That makes a lot of sense in my eyes. Um, yeah, like, what? what is BetMGM's over-under? This 80 and a half. Ooh, 80 and a half? Man, it's probably impossible to to set an over-under for this team. I mean, 80 and a half is really good. I am going to take the over. I think... I think 80 and a half is... is low. Honestly. I... Mm, no, no. You hear me? You hear You hear the cogs turning in my brain right now. <laughs> I'm... I'm ta- okay, no. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. I think they win like 81, 82. I don't think they go higher than that, especially just because the Potters improved. The Dodgers are still the Dodgers. I think the Diamondbacks improved, and I think I just don't think the offense is good enough for this team to win more than that. And injuries to to like Logan Webb would really crash the just the ceiling of how good the pitching can be. Um, and bullpen depth, I see, is an issue. If there's going to be any like quantitative depth issue it'll be the bullpen uh they have fine depth everywhere else pitching is pitching staff the starting rotation is good hitting again it's like they have a couple guys at each position but like no commanding player at each position really (laughs) depending on how they play i just don't i don't see this team really making a run however like i said if any team will spite me and make a run to the World Series randomly this year, it'll be the Giants. It will be the freaking Giants. We've seen them do this before. But that's it for my Giants preview. Let's move on. Who should we talk about? Yeah, let's talk about the D-backs, the Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let me tell you, right off the bat, I like what the Diamondbacks are selling. I am high on this team, probably higher than most people, although it might be a trendy, like, dark horse make the playoffs pick just because of how their season ended up last year. Um, Because they were, they were playing good baseball through, like, June. They were hovering around, like, a 500 team in a pretty tough division. Uh, And then kind of ever since, like, the All-Star break happened, then they just kind of had a slide they never fully recovered from said slide, and they ended up the year 74 and 88. 
um, with a Pythag of 77 and 85. And then this year, they're projected around the same, um, similar. They're projected around like 77, 78 wins, a little bit more than last year. Probably just uh, because of, you know, prospect development, we'll probably get him a couple more wins this year. Um, but that is the story of this Dimex team is prospects, 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 young guys making more strides this year. Uh, they had a lot of, a lot of debuts last year, a lot of solid seasons. Uh, but obviously the talk of the Diamondbacks, uh, is their prospects this year. But in terms of who they returned from last year, um, Christian Walker underrated, one of the best hitting first basemen in the league. Cattell Marte, one of the best hitting second basemen in the league. Josh Rojas quietly had a very good season last year. David Peralta quietly had a really good season last year. Um, Alec Thomas, offense not did not come around last year. It projects a little bit better this year, but I know he's good in the field. He'll be manning um, center, well, maybe manning center field. I don't exactly know how they're going to handle all their outfielders. It might be... Um, Everyone plays a position, see who's the best at which position sort of deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this was – I thought this was a better team than their uh, their record reflected last year. Um, David Peralta did only play half a season. The rest of the guys were pretty healthy for the most part. Alec Thomas was a little bit hurt. Uh, and then, obviously, the big um, – Departure from this team is Dalton Varsho. He was a little bit above average offensively last year. His offense really started coming along uh, month over month. And then uh, his defense, as I said in my Blue Jays preview, he was literally the best defensive outfielder by outs above average last season. Uh, Jake McCarthy, another young outfielder, came up for them last year, played around 100 games, was really good, really good at the plate, really impressed me. So a lot of young, young talent already arriving at the major league level with the top prospect in all of baseball, Corbin Carroll, uh, starting the year on the big league roster, he'll only add to what was a, what was a pretty decent offense last year. Uh, and then the pitching staff was also pretty good. It's just um, a manner of the back half kind of picking up what the front half of the rotation does because Merrill Kelly had a good year. Zach Gallen, one of the best pitchers in the league. Mad Bum, not great. Zach Davies, pretty good. Uh, and they really didn't have his starter last year. They they relied heavily on rotation and long relief sort of guys. Um, really what is their weak point is the bullpen, for sure, especially going into this year. I, the bullpen definitely could end up losing them some games. Uh, I do like Joe Mantiply. He's fun. And then they were like, Mark Melanson was closing games out for them last year. He wasn't, he wasn't great. Uh, Ian Kennedy closed games out for them last year, too. Both of them, uh, I believe, no longer on the team. Um, But, yeah, if we're talking about Diamondbacks, the bullpen is the weak point. But going into this year, I'm high on this team just because of the offense, and I think it just plays really well in their ballpark. Very, very hitter-friendly ballpark. Uh, And they have an ace in Zach Gallen which a lot of middling, you know, mid-70s teams can't say. They have a bona fide ace, one of the best pitchers in the league. So going into the season, what did they do? What did they do to improve? Not super heavy on the trade. Um, or not on the They did make trades. The free agent market. What they did, they signed Evan Longoria, who is a good depth piece, who had a pretty decent season last year at third base. He'll back up Josh Rojas, most likely. And then... They also signed Andrew Chafin, who really will help with the bullpen. 
uh, especially from the left side of the plate because he was one of the best relievers against lefties in the bigs last year. Otherwise, not very many free agent additions to this team besides those two. I mean, they sign like minor league guys uh, like Miguel Castro, uh, Scott McGow, Philip Evans, you know, Austin Adams, PJ Higgins. These are names, um, but not super notable. Uh, they didn't lose like a whole lot from last year's team either. Uh, like Jordan Luplo, Stone Garrett, Caleb Smith, uh, Ian Kennedy. Really the big talk of the offseason was trades. And I, I went over this in the Blue Jays preview, but the Lourdes Gurriel, Gabriel Moreno get for Dalton Varsho, I thought was a fantastic trade for both sides, uh, especially the Diamondbacks because Gabriel Moreno might just be their catcher for the next decade. Uh, um, I really, really like his upside a lot. And he will be taking the lion's share of the plate appearances at catcher this year uh, with Carson Kelly. One, he's starting the year hurt with his forearm. But two, Carson Kelly was like supposed to be the guy with this Diamondbacks team uh, who he was coming up and it was like, man, this might be this might be him. This might be the catcher. This might be the catcher of the future. Uh, and just has not exactly panned out like that. Really just kind of a disappointing prospect development uh, from the Diamondbacks, but as a backup, he'll certainly be serviceable. And then Gabriel Moreno, I'm just really looking forward to watch Mash in that ballpark. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly what his defense will look like this year, but I know at least his bat will probably play a little bit in his rookie season with the Diamondbacks. So really liked that trade. They also just got um, Lourdes Gurriel back in the trade too, which was a good add-on just... Uh, to kind of fill their DH spot, which was kind of a hole with this team. Uh, last season, they had like Seth Beer DHing a lot of the time, and he really just has not looked good at all at the plate. So it fills a need there in DH and fills a need with uh, um, Gabriel Moreno. They kind of needed a catcher that was going to be better than Carson Kelly. Uh, and they mortgaged a strength of theirs, which is their outfield depth. Uh, their outfield depth's pretty crazy, especially with Corbin Carroll accelerating through the minors. Uh, and then you had Alec Thomas playing last year, who I talked about, and then Jake McCarthy. Um, so looks like it'll probably be Corbin Carroll playing left and Alec Thomas in the center, or vice versa, and then Jake McCarthy in right field. And then depth-wise, all those guys can play all the outfield positions. Lourdes Gurriel, I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing him hit in that ballpark and not have to play the field as much, I think that'll just improve his offense because uh, his defense isn't great, but he can always play the corners if you need him to be, if you need him to do that, which is good good to have. Uh, and then they made that trade with the Mariners, the Cooper Hummel swap for Kyle Lewis, which I also thought was a good trade because clearly the Mariners did like something they saw in Cooper Hummel and he'll... I'll talk about him more, obviously, on the the Mariners preview, but he'll he'll fill somewhat of a need for us depth wise. But sad to see Kyle Lewis go, but I like the ad by the Diamondbacks to kind of just take a take a ticket out on Kyle Lewis and see if he can put it all together again. I mean, he won Rookie of the Year in the shortened season, but the knee injury that made him slide in the draft, despite being the Golden Spikes winner in 2016, it made him 
his knee problems just kind of made him slide farther back in the draft than I think a lot of people expected. And it's kind of started to manifest itself a little bit up in the big. So rooting for Kyle Lewis, though, he's had a pretty solid spring. Uh, that ballpark is definitely better for hitting than um, in Seattle. So he is just good um, to take a chance on with this team. He's not expected to make the playoffs. If he hits really well, he hits really well. He can stick him at DH, too, if they really need to, to try to save his his legs. Or he can fill in at the outfield position, but he's not going to be expected to play every day either, which I think will be good for him. Uh, whereas the Mariners were kind of expecting him to be the center fielder before Julio got there. So, good trade there for the Diamondbacks. Uh, and this this lineup, how, how it's going to go, Gabriel Moreno will be at catcher. Christian Walker, as I said, uh, will start at first base. Christian Walker can just absolutely mash. And his defense was really good last year, graded out well, particularly um, Fangraph's defensive uh, metrics it got it vastly improved from the year before uh, same with his offense he cut his strikeouts down he upped his walk rate he hit for a lot more power uh, he barreled the ball a lot more got on base more uh, just really a very productive first baseman last year and he played a full season he only missed two games I think you can kind of expect that going forward from Christian Walker and then Cattell Marte like I said great second baseman good hitting second baseman defense is fine Nick Ahmed will be playing shortstop with Geraldo Perdomo. Both just good defensively, not a whole lot to offer on offense, but um, they're fine defensively, especially like you'll take a good defensive shortstop if you don't necessarily need the offense, and they don't really necessarily need the offense. They'll they'll hit in the inner nine hole. Third base will be Josh Rojas and Evan Longoria, most likely. And then I went over the outfield already, and I am just hyped to watch Corbin Carroll up in the bigs seems like a perennial 2020 guy super super fast with a surprising I've I've heard it described as a surprising amount of pop for his size not a huge frame but elite speed um, and that aids in his elite graded defense as well and just good hit tool uh, looks like the real deal really excited to watch him uh, definitely the favorite for NL rookie of the year and he should be uh, I think he'll he'll win it. It I think it might come down now. It might come down to like Jordan Walker, uh, him, or Kodai Senga. I think those three are probably the favorites. Um, I don't know who will win. It's a good rookie crop starting the year at the bigs too, which is really really encouraging. But now to go into the pitching, I have no worries about this offense. Um, they project to be a pretty productive offense in a ballpark that. Um, will only aid that. And then their pitching staff, again, the bullpen is where I could find them running into issues. Um, Andrew Chafin will really help. And then Joe Mantiple is good. Uh, Scott McGowan, they sign who's fine. He'll throw innings. Cole Solcer, um, actually is a pretty good reliever as well. Kevin Ginkle, Miguel Castro. They have like a lot of arms, which is good. Um, I'm not too worried about innings from this. Uh, this relief, this bullpen, but I'm worried about just closing the game out. They don't really have a bona fide closer. Uh, I, I would assume Chafin would close depending on who's hitting and then Joe Mantiple, maybe. Because um, Mark Melanson was their closer last year, but he started the year hurt. And I guess Austin Adams, if he proves himself to not hit a hitter every time he's out, 
could be a scary closer. I don't know. Pitching staff-wise, as I said, the back half of the rotation is where things get super interesting because Merrill Kelly's good, Zach Allen's great, Mad Bum will throw innings and be fine. I'm not... I'm not super encouraged by just his aging and the season he had last year. I think he'll be a below-average starter again. And then Zach Davies, similar to Mad Bum, both just like, they'll throw innings, they'll be fine. It's the fifth starter spot that they're leaving open for a couple a couple guys, a couple of their prospects, who all I've heard Diamondbacks, like beat writers talking about, is how much they really like these guys. There's three of them. There's Brandon Faft. Uh, Ryan Nelson, and then Dre Jamison. Uh, we saw Dre Jamison last year. Uh, he has just electric stuff. I think the control just needs to come along. Uh, Ryan Nelson seems to just be a good like all-around pitcher. Brandon Faft is the highest-graded uh, prospect of the group, I think, just ceiling-wise. If I had to guess who's going to throw the most innings from this spot, I would guess Brandon Faft. Uh Brandon Fafter, Ryan Nelson, I would assume will throw the most. I like Brandon Faft the most. I think he could be a really good, um, really good pitcher down the line. And I think Dre Jamison, as much as he, you know, projects to be a starter, I think he'd be potentially a really good reliever because uh, this stuff is just gnarly. Uh, like his fastball grades out of sixty-five, his slider grades out of seventy, and ooh, he his stuff is electric. I. He throws gas, um, has a good movement on his two-seamer, and his, his slider just just breaks so hard. I can just see him doing a Matt Brash thing, coming up as a starter. Maybe they'll try him out as a starter uh, if they need him to be with, with health and stuff and injuries with the other pitchers. I can just see him totally slotting into that bullpen and really helping. Um, and if he's good enough, potentially a closer role down the line for him. I don't know. His stuff is that good. His stuff is that good to be a great reliever. Um, but I'm looking forward, and I, I'm I'm high on those three, Ryan Nelson, Brandon Fath, and Dre Jamison. I, I like that we're going to see a lot of them this year for a developing D-backs team. I like what I've heard about all three of them. So looking forward to watching those three. I will be watching a surprising amount of Diamondbacks baseball this year just with all the exciting young talent they have on the team. Uh, I think it will be exciting. I think they're going to be better than what the projections have them at right now. Uh, I'm just shooting from the hip here, but I'm going to take the over. I don't even care what it is. What is it? What's the over? 75 and a half. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over on that for sure. Um, Yeah, I like this Diamondbacks team, man. I'll say it. I think they'll finish above the Giants. Yeah, that's right. I've just all but cemented the Giants' uh, uh, NL pennant victory by saying that, but uh, that would be funny too. I just like the D-backs. You heard it here first. Steal that from me. D-backs, trendy, sneaky little wildcard pick. Nah, hmm, I don't know about that one. There's uh, The NL wildcard's a little loaded uh, above them, but I do like this team. I think they'll finish closer to 80 wins than 70, and... Uh, yeah, that is the Arizona Diamondbacks, the team I shall preview next. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yet another quote 
disappointing season, I guess, for the Dodgers last year. I mean, they won 111 games, won the division. Their Pythagorean record was 116 and 46 rather than 111-51. So, they, I mean, they were so good last year and then just plummeted in the playoffs, lost to the Padres in that awesome NLDS series. More playoff heartbreak for this Dodgers team besides the COVID year. And I don't even know what the expectations are this year. It's it's a quote, like, it's down year, I guess, but they're still a really good team. It just wasn't a very Dodgers-y type offseason, but I'll get into that. Just to touch on what they did last year. I mean, this lineup is really good. They were the best team in baseball last year, like bar none. I mean, their pitching staff was the best pitching staff in baseball by ERA and most metrics. Tyler Anderson had a great year for them. Julio Urias had a great year. Tony Gonsolin had a great year. Kershaw's Kershaw. Andrew Heaney finally had a good year. The year that we've been expecting from Andrew Heaney for so long now. He goes from um, Orange County over to Los Angeles County and he puts it together for um, 72 innings and gets hurt. Uh, Walker Buehler didn't pitch that much last year. He was good when he pitched. He was fine. I'm just worried about his health. Uh, and then the bullpen was just really good. I mean, there's not else much else to say about this Dodgers team besides, uh, you know, they probably should have uh, went to the World Series, but baseball is unforgiving. It simply does not matter how good you are in the regular season once you get to the playoffs in baseball. And what happened this offseason, it just wasn't a very Dodgersy type offseason. They weren't like the big spendy team this offseason. They were kind of the quiet, boring additions, potentially gearing up to pay Shohei Otani $500 million next season. I'm booking it right now. Um, maybe they trade for him middle of the season and then extend him maybe he just hits for agency with the angels i think the dodgers should be the favorite not only because they got some salary off the books this year and didn't really do much else but it's also like he shohei presumably lives in newport beach where all of the other angels players live basically and so he wouldn't have to travel very far to go you know find a closer place to live potentially with the dodgers you go live in the hollywood hills shohei I just I I think it's all guaranteed that Shohei will sign the you know whatever it is eleven year five hundred million dollar contract with the Dodgers, but we'll only find out next year. They lost a lot of guys to free agency, uh, some not as important, you know, uh, that men who will not be named who just signed in Japan is gone. Uh, Edwin Rios and Cody Bellinger were both non tendered, and then they lost Chris Martin, relief pitcher. Uh, tough loss out of the bullpen. Kimbrell, uh, David Price. They lost Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney, Tommy Canely. That's a lot of pitchers departing Los Angeles. Uh, huge loss. Trey Turner. Uh, obviously, some of the Phillies. And they lost Kevin Pillar and Joey Gallo as well. But Trey Turner is a huge one. Shortstop is a big question mark for them this year. And then they also lost uh, Justin Turner, but as I said in my Red Sox preview, they swapped Justin Turner with J.D. Martinez, 
virtually the same production, virtually the same uh, stats, so really not a huge loss for them there. Besides, Justin Turner was really the heart and soul of this team, I feel like. I, I, it's a straight swap in terms of potential stats and what they've done the past couple years, but Justin Turner, uh, he was kind of the spiritual leader of this team, was he not? Uh, especially because he's just he was one of the longest tenured, if not the longest tenured Dodger, him and Kershaw, um, before his departure. So it's a tough loss, like in the clubhouse, uh, for Dave Roberts. But I'm sure they'll be fine in the future. I don't know. Uh, and they did. They just didn't do much. They signed David Peralta, who had a again. He had a. I said he had a good year last year with the Diamondbacks, and he only played a half season, but he'll be fine. In the outfield, I guess they signed J.D. Martinez. They signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year deal, and Shelby Miller. Who, if they turn and and Jason Hayward, they signed Jason Hayward and Shelby Miller. And if the Dodgers turn around their careers, I, I will. You'll have to audit them for wizardry or something if they manage to turn around either of those guys, really. Um, and if any team's gonna freaking do it, it'd be the Dodgers. Uh, so they're on the team, those guys, names of old. And then they acquired J.P. Farisian from the Rays, but he is on the 60-day DL. And then the other, I guess, big trade, they traded for Miguel Rojas for Jacob Amaya from the Marlins. Miguel Rojas, uh, 34 now, but he was on the Dodgers about a decade ago. He's back and will uh, seemingly be the shortstop on opening day for them, which... Again, it's very not Dodgers-like, but you know what is Dodgers-like? The amount of freaking prospects they have that will impact the Major League level this year. I'm just going to read you a bunch of names. Bobby Miller, pitcher, will be up this year. Miguel Vargas, starting second baseman, probably, for them on opening day. Uh, Michael Bush. Gavin Stone. Ryan Pipial. I. It's... I don't even know how to say that. P-P-P-P-O-L. P-E-P-I-O-T. I haven't heard anyone say it. I've only read his name, so I don't exactly know. Uh, James Outman. Andy Pages. Uh, that's like basically their top ten prospects. All will see big league time this year. And if anyone can replace Trey Turner and all the other people's production with prospects, it's the Dodgers. They're a machine they have the most, one of some of the most money to spend in the league. Um, historically, one of the best teams in baseball, and they constantly churn out amazing homegrown talent. Their player development system is robotic. It is absurdly good how many players every single year, year over year, they um, they churn out to be good major league talent. It's honestly crazy. Um, really tough. For Gavin Lux, the injury news with Gavin Lux, um, he'll be out for the year, which just really sucks because he was finally going to be able to play shortstop. He was finally going to be able to play the position he came up to play, but Trey Turner was blocking him, so he was not playing shortstop for them. And this was the year. It was like, okay, Trey Turner's gone. We're handing you the keys, Gavin. Goes down in spring training, out for the year. Really sad. Um, Really a big hit to the lineup, too. That's a pretty big bat to miss out on, and just sucks for him, man. That really stinks. But it leaves shortstop pretty thin for them because now they have to play Miguel Rojas at shortstop, which is fine. Uh, he'll 
he's not a very good hitter anymore, but he's still proven to be a good defensive shortstop, which is fine. And then Chris Taylor will probably play a lot more there than usual, although Chris Taylor, as we know, has been used everywhere. Um, what does encourage me is that they the prospect depth at every other position, particularly like in the outfield, uh, is fine enough to, to patch holes where Chris Taylor might have filled in the past, where he might have to be playing a lot more shortstop this year. Uh, but Chris Taylor could do it. He's fine. He's He can do everything. Yeah, shortstop's just thin for this team. It's it's interesting to go into the year and have them not have a, a set, like a set shortstop that's you know is gonna be really good. I mean, Miguel Rojas. No offense to him, he's just a little boring. <laughs> but that was tough. That was tough for Gavin Lux. Tough to hear. But all those prospects I named, just like Bobby Miller's our number two guy. As I said, Miguel Vargas. He can play. He can play all over the diamond but he will be their starting second baseman because they need it. Uh, I know Mookie has been working out at second base, and I assume will play second base for them this year a little bit, especially with uh, the clutter of prospects they have for the outfield. Uh, But just looking at this team, it's very interesting to see this team and not go, wow, they're going to be the best team in baseball. They won't be the best team in baseball they're not even really projected to be the out and out best team in the division for once. Um, but that's a different story. Like how many times have they won this division since like 2010 all every year, basically. I mean, hard to go into the year and not say they'll win it again. Uh, but let's, let's run through, uh, what actually, what are they projected? At? I didn't even say that they're projected. Yeah. Like 93 low nineties win total them and the, Padres are both around there, which is intriguing. Uh, but let's go through the diamond and who will be manning each position. Will Smith, still the best hitting catcher in baseball. Um, just fantastic. And then Austin Barnes as a backup who is great defensively. That's just a good one too right there. Not worried about the catcher position. Probably will have the most war to catcher position in the league, maybe besides the Blue Jays. And then and NL for sure though. Uh, And then the Dodgers' first baseman, Freddie Freeman. Still amazing hitter. Uh, Not worried about him with Muncie as a backup. And then second base is interesting. Miguel Vargas projected to play most of the second base this year. Top prospect will probably be good. And then Chris Taylor will back him up with Mookie Betts. And then this dude, Michael Bush, um, who's their number fourth prospect. I don't know if he'll start the year on the team, but... He can play second base and, and back up outfield and projects to be a good major league player. So another another prospect who will probably produce very well for them. He projects to be a way better hitter than fielder or runner. He has a really good raw power. Um, he will probably hit a lot of homers for this, this team. Not this year necessarily, but in the future. I uh, talked about shortstop. Third base. Um, third base is really interesting too, because projection-wise on Fangraphs, Max Muncy is projected to play all the, not all of them, but most of the innings at third base this year. Miguel Vargas can play there, uh, and maybe, maybe by the end of the year we'll see uh, some prospects in the outfield. Mookie at second, and Miguel Vargas at third, because uh, he can play third. 
That's interesting to watch. This The left side of the infield would be intriguing to see how it develops for this team all year uh, and seeing what type of production they get out of those guys. Because Max Muncy, I mean, he's been a first baseman DH for them how, for how long? And uh, he's aging, and I don't, I don't know how well his defense is going to grade out at third base and also how well his bat is going to continue to do as he ages. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And then left field, they got David Peralta who had a good year last year again in, like, 90 games. I just don't – I don't know. I think he might get his spot taken by one of these prospects coming up. Uh, and then Trace Thompson has just kind of been improving year over year. He will man center field for them. I do like Trace Thompson. He's a solid ball player. Again, His he's been Im- improving, I, I would say, I guess. Had a solid year at the plate last year. Just kind of uh, struck out a little bit too much. And he also only played half a season, um, especially like for the Dodgers because he was on the Cubs and got traded back to the, to the Dodgers. But he he had a really high BABIP last year, so I'm not exactly buying all of the raw numbers he put up. But he was good on the base path and fine defensively in center, so could be a worse situation for them. I do think... Um, another prospect, James Outman, who I mentioned, I think he'll probably take his spot because he looks like a, like ceiling-wise, a gold glove center fielder who has good enough power to stay up in the league. So James Outman, another name to remember who you'll see this year, potentially usurp an outfield spot. And then right field, we know, Mookie Betts, um, as, as, along with you know James Outman and even potentially... Uh, Andy Pages, another outfield prospect, or even like Miguel Vargas might play out there. Uh, I know Andy Pages, he's a little bit lower in the minors than the other guys, although close to the bigs still. I think he'll start in double A, but um, we'll see what shakes out with him in terms of big league health and if he will be needed up there. I know he's he's similar to uh, Outman, uh, not as good graded out fielding wise but built to be a right fielder built to hit home runs and has a really strong throwing arm so potential outfield switcheroo by the end of this season James Outman in center Andy Page is in right field Mookie bets at shortstop how interesting would that be uh, but Mookie will be starting the year at right field and we know who Mookie bets is elite five tool player still Still amazing, still awesome to watch. Still can't believe the Red Sox uh, said he was too expensive and let him walk. Just crazy. And then the DH. Uh, Max Muncy will probably see some time here, but this will be J.D. Martinez, who will probably play the full year at DH, and he can still hit. He can still hit. Still a productive hitter. Uh, He's aging. He's like 35, 36, but still is an above-average hitter and probably will continue to be this year at least. Uh, it's crazy how how consistent he's been for the past few years while his power has dipped a little bit. Um, still just average strikeouts, average walks, some pop, a fine DH who cannot play in the field. But could be worse, could be worse. So their offense is is good, man. Their offense is really good. Uh, I'm not worried about the starters. I'm not worried about the depth because the depth will largely come from the prospects. But as we all know, it's the Dodgers and Dodgers prospects will produce. We just know that. So uh, it's interesting to have a Dodgers team not with 
out-and-out big league talent all the way down the roster. But I think it's time for them to have a little mini little rebuilding year where you see what you get from these prospects this year and then you sign Shohei Otani in the offseason. That's just what's going to happen. And then pitching-wise, man, pitching... Pitching, again, the depth is largely going to come from the prospects. Uh, Bobby Miller appears to be the real deal. Uh, Just elite fastball, flamethrower, really good bite to the slider. Uh, I know his changeup has came along in the past year, and they like him turning pro this year and potentially providing some backup innings for any starters who get hurt. Uh, Gavin Stone... And Ryan Pipial, like I said, uh, will also potentially see the bigs this year. I think, again, it's it's depth reliant on young guys, but if it were any other team except for the Dodgers, I would be worried. I mean, we saw Pipio, Pipio, Pipiot. God, y'all are going to kill me for saying that name. Uh, we saw him last year. He, yeah, he looked all right. Um... So he's probably the most likely guy to start as the sixth in the rotation here compared to Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller, who uh, have not seen time in the big jet. But Bobby Miller is really the, he's our number two prospect. He is potentially the guy to take over as future ace. Uh, but they're fine with the other two guys I mentioned as depth. Like the, they'll be, they'll be good. Uh, and then in terms of who they have right now, Julio Urias, we know who he is. Great starter, has been quite healthy. Um, just a quality starting pitcher who puts quality start after quality start up. I don't think he was quite as good as his raw numbers showed last year. I'm not trying to poo-poo Julio Urias. I really like him, but his his peripheral numbers last year showed me that he probably won't produce the ERA he did last year. That being said, he'll still be a good frontline starter, especially him and Kershaw at the one-two. Kershaw is somehow still so good, man. He's just so good still. It's crazy. I'm not worried about Kershaw besides aging and health. After that, it's like Tony Gonsolin, who's hurt right now, uh, but he projects to do fine. Um, has just been a consistent quality quality starter for them, especially last year. Uh, and then Cindergard's kind of the wild card here. Uh, honestly, looked decent, decent with the Angels last year, uh, and they only signed him to a one-year deal. He's just gonna have to pitch innings. That's what they need this year. Um, his expected numbers were a little bit higher than the raw numbers last year, but he didn't look. He looked like pretty good uh, when he pitched, and he pitched more innings than he did in 2021. That's for sure. Uh, so is it's not a bad like four starter and then Dustin May the only worry I have with Dustin May is staying healthy electric stuff from Dustin May and just elite hair as well elite hair we won't see any Walker Bueller this year unfortunately as he got Tommy John last year towards the end of the year I know they're they're playing him slow, and he could see time near the end of the year, um, but we won't see him for a while, so can't really pencil him in. To, I, I'm not going to make any statements on him besides he might pitch later in the year. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. 
Uh, so top down, the starters are fine. And again, I, I'm I'm trusting in the depth at uh, the positions with this team. And then if they really need it at the trade deadline, they have the capital to go out and get a good starting pitcher, <clears throat> Corbin Burns. <clears throat> uh, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then the bullpen, one of the best bullpens in baseball, will be again this year. Evan Phillips, one of the best relievers in baseball. Alex Vesia, very good. Brusdick Ratterall, very good. Against uh, the Almonte, very good. Uh, Phil Bickford, another quality reliever. Daniel Hudson, still a quality reliever. He's he's hurt right now, but he'll be fine. Uh, they also signed Alex Reyes, who will be in the bullpen this year. And then um, all those pitching prospects may see time pitching out of the bullpen this year, potentially. Um, we'll see how they handle that, but... I think if they if they make it up with the team and show their quality, uh, they could just slot into the bullpen later in the year, and those are some good weapons to have out in the bullpen, especially just to get them some big league reps. But we'll see how they handle that. So, spoiler alert, the Dodgers are good, but not as good as they have been. Uh, it is, as I said, quite reliant on the prospects, but starting lineup is still really good it'll just be really intriguing to see how the prospects handle uh handle the bigs this year it really is all about prospects this year um and with the division it's not the hardest division but the potters got better and they beat you in the playoffs last year so you got something to prove this year for sure uh and it might be best case if the dodgers go into the playoffs even as a wild card team with lower expectations, that just might be best case for this team, rather than going into the playoffs year after year as the favorite and not winning. Uh, it might be best for them to go into the playoffs as a wild card team, maybe even could be could be good for them. So that's it with the Dodgers. What is their win total over under? Ninety six and a half. Oh man, no, I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under on ninety six and a half. Uh, I think the Potters take this division. I'm eating more trash. I'm buying into what the Potters are doing. I think they take this division, and the Dodgers go under 96 and a half wins. And now to the final team, the San Diego Padres. What an off season! What a what a couple of seasons, honestly, the Padres have had. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? They signed. They have so much major league talent on this team. Uh, it's crazy that, I mean, they only have 25 roster spots, 26, and they have so many big league players. Um, but who did they lose? One, they non-tendered Jorge Alfaro, which culture and vibes-wise is a huge loss. One, he, he had like four walk-offs last year, and two, just look at the man. He's awesome. Uh, so that's a big loss. Uh, they lost Brandon Drury and Josh Bell, two midseason acquisitions, and Sean Mania, for that matter. Um all, all gone from the team. Same with uh, Drixon Profar and Will Myers and Mike Clevenger all became free agents or got their club or player options declined. And then really it's all about what they did addition-wise. They signed Michael Waka to a surprising four-year deal. I was surprised to see four there. But the Padres are really hyper-extending these contracts just to lower the average annual value. They're probably the team that's done this the most the past couple years, uh, Michael Waka. So they signed him a four-year deal. Uh, they signed Nelson Cruz. They signed Adam Engel, Matt Carpenter. See, all these major league players. Seth Lugo. 
Uh, and then the huge one, obviously, Xander Bogarts, 11 years, $280 million. Um, really just, is it the best deal? Probably not. Cause he's, is he going to age? Well, who knows? Um, but really who cares about the back half of the deal? He makes this current team really good. He makes an already good team better right now. Uh, and that's what clearly matters for this Padres front office. And I commend them for it. They were really close to signing Trey Turner and Aaron judge. They offered them more money than the Phillies and the Yankees, respectively. Uh, but they got declined because Trey and Aaron Judge both wanted to play for the teams they signed for rather than the Padres. Uh, and I, it seems like it was not, it was thought out, the Xander signing, but it seemed like it was like, oh, we didn't get Trey, we didn't get Aaron, we got to sign someone to a big deal. Screw it, let's sign Xander. Um, even though, did they really need him? Not necessarily. But again, does he make the team better? He does. Absolutely, he does. And culture-wise, he's awesome. Xander is fantastic. Uh, but last year, they went 89-73, and we all know what happened. They lose in the NLCS to the Phillies. Uh, they didn't really get close to winning that series. They were very entertaining games. Um, but that was it was kind of a Cinderella run to the NLCS, especially just winning over the Dodgers in the NLDS. I mean... Like, that's a win in and of itself for Padres fans. They hate Dodgers fans. They hate the Dodgers. And Dodgers hate them. But the Dodgers have been the big brother for so long, and now it's 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 close. It's close. The little brother's grown up. And they're projected, again, projected around the same as the Dodgers, a little bit lower, around like 93-ish wins, low 90s. And I like this team to win the division this year. Not just because of the flashy signings. I mean, the depth at every position, the the top-tier talent, man. It's just good. Uh, but they returned most of their guys last year. I mean, they traded Eric Hosmer uh, midseason. They lost Profar. No more Luke Voigt. No more Will Myers. No more Josh Bell. But what they replaced them with is Xander Bogart. It's weird. This team is full of shortstops. Um, shortstops will be playing all over the diamond for the Padres this year. And, you know, screw it. Why not? But to run through the team, Austin Nola, who right now, he, he got hit in, like, the face with a ball recently. Um, and he broke part of his nose and, like, hurt his hand. So he's day-to-day. And he's key to this team. He really is. Like, Luis Camposano, top prospect pedigree, you don't they don't want him to be the starting guy immediately. He'll be the backup and hopefully he'll come along as in development, but they need Austin Nola to be healthy. If there's any position that's super weak on this team, it's catcher. Um so they kind of need Austin Nola to be healthy. And at least I mean it could have been worse. He could have completely fractured his whole face and stuff. So it's not like it's worst case, but uh they need him to be healthy. That's all I'll say. And then first base, they got the crone, crone man, the crone zone. Jake Cronenworth will be manning first base for them, shifting over from second uh, because Hassan Kim is shifting over from second or shortstop because they signed Xander Bogarts. <laughs> um, and then they also signed Matt Carpenter, who was the best hitter on the planet for the Yankees in the for the last month and a half of the season. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. He was just hitting uh, multiple home runs a game. It felt like. 
So weird. Uh, but they signed him. He, he'll back up. And then, yeah, second base will be Ha-Sung Kim, who had a really good year for them at shortstop last year, uh, especially given that he didn't know he was going to have to be the starting shortstop the whole year. Essentially, last year he was really good. Um, his bat is fine, but his defense is really good and obviously only projects to be better at second base. And then you have Cronenworth, who can also he'll play second base sometimes this year too. Um, majority at first, but he can also play second, and he's a solid option there for sure. And then shortstop, man, Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts. San Diego Padre. Weird to think about. Weird to think about. He's been so healthy um, in his career, like insanely healthy. So really, um, you can kind of expect him to play 140-plus this year, knock on wood. Um, consistently been one of the best offensive players in baseball uh, the past six years and change. Uh, I think he's generally been underrated. I don't exactly know why. I think it's just because he doesn't hit for like that much power. Boston, being a right-handed hitter at Fenway, definitely aided in some of his power numbers, but he's just a good all-around hitter. He doesn't strike out... Um, he strikes out less than league average. He walks slightly more than league average. Uh, pretty good, just getting on base, good at bats, smart base runner. Um, and his defense actually has improved last year. It's kind of it's weird defensively. He's been like a good defender, a, a little average defender, below average. His career, it's kind of shifted season to season ish. But it's not like he's a terrible defender. I think his defense is good. His defense is fine. So, just, what a signing. I mean, they sign him. They extend Manny Machado before he even has an opportunity to hit for agency. They extend you Darvish. And this is after years of uh, extending um, Fernando Tatis. Um, trading for Juan Soto. Uh, extend, or giving Manny Machado that contract in the first place. Uh, signing you Darvish in the first place. Signing Blake Snell. I mean, they've spent so much money for a supposedly small market team. Uh, Substack article coming about the San Diego Padres in this offseason soon, probably later this week. Look out for that. But they've just spent so much money, uh, and it's awesome. Peter Seidler, the owner, main uh, majority owner, and AJ Preller, the uh, GM, have just put together a very good team and are very committed to spending money to win the World Series right now. And, you know, Juan Soto still has two years of control, but if they manage to re-sign him, like, that is such a... Ah, man, they've already sent a message to fans, hopefully, where it's like, man, your supposedly small market team uh, still has an ownership that can probably spend a lot more money than they currently are to win. Uh, and they're exposing that, and I'm so glad they are. But... Let's get back to what their team actually looks like. So Xander at shortstop, and he's just been so healthy. Like Hassan Kim can back up, but I doubt he'll really need to that much. So up the middle, just great. Hassan Kim and, and Xander Bogarts at shortstop and second is fantastic. And then Manny Machado at third, man. The leader of this team just re-signed MVP season last year. Just an awesome player. Um, we know his defense is great at third. His bat is just really good. He's just so amazing. And they were so proactive in what they what they were 
doing this offseason, they gave him that 11-year, $350 million extension, which is crazy because that was the worst of the contract he originally signed. It was like, what? It was 10 years, 10 years, $300 million or something. I don't want to go look, but it was. He opts out. He said he or he's, he's like, I'm going to opt out after this season because he'd be dumb not to. After the offseason we just saw, he would be the guy this offseason he would have gotten this much money, and the Padres are like, okay, that makes sense. You're gonna opt out. We'll just extend you. Well, here's 11 years, 350 million. Stay in San Diego. And man, I wish my ownership group was more like that. I'll say it from the Seattle Mariners' point of view. But he is the leader in the clubhouse. Um, he clearly loves San Diego, and San Diego loves him. It's awesome to see. Like culture fit is perfect. Um, and he's just been so productive and again, so healthy for them this year or his whole career. He's been super healthy. Him and Xander at shortstop and third, not only are they two of the best at their position in the game, they also have been two of the healthiest players in their careers. So that is worth giving long-term contracts to, cause you can kind of just project them to play a lot more games than a lot of guys. So that's helpful. The outfield situation is interesting. The depth here is where the only really depth issue I see with this team is potentially outfield. Uh, they signed Adam Engel, who will probably shift around all year and be a depth guy. But the main story here is Fernando Tatis, because he will not he will not be playing shortstop, obviously. Um, and he was already playing in the outfield before he uh, got injured and then suspended. Um, but it didn't look, it looked like he was just, you know, it was a patchwork thing, but now it's official. He will be in the outfield in the corner. And I've heard that he is committed to that. He's just very committed, um, working really hard in right field and his, his athleticism and arm strength plays perfectly in right field. So <laughs> like he has a fantastic arm and it's just, yeah, generally a good athlete. So I think it'll work out after he comes back from suspension. Right field will be where he is. And so that shifts Juan Soto to left. I can't say enough good things about Juan Soto. He's amazing. Um, one of the best players in the league. Gets on base at an insane clip. Awesome player. Only 24. Will hit free agency when he's 26. Will command a huge, huge deal when he hits free agency. And I'm excited to see who gives it to him. Uh, and then center field would be Trent Grisham, who is gold glove center fielder. His bat's fine. But that is a good outfield, man. That's a good outfield. David Dahl and Adam Engel and Jose Asokar will be floating around as depth for them that in the outfield. And then uh, DH-wise, we'll see a lot of Nelson Cruz, who can still kind of hit. But also Nelson Cruz is a great culture fit. He wanted to go to San Diego both because he, you know, he's... He coached the Dominican WBC team, and there's a few notable Dominican players on this team. Uh, so culture fit, he it's perfect. He really wanted to go there. Obviously, it would be a great veteran presence in the clubhouse. Um, and he probably just wanted to win a ring. Like, that's part of it. So that's fun to see. I personally hope Nelson Cruz wins a ring. And then Matt Carpenter will probably see some DH time. Maybe Tatis will, too. Um... I, I, you know, again, outfield depth I see as a problem here. Uh, I I don't know how many, they're not going to lean on many prospects. They're kind of 
gutted prospect wise, especially near like the top of their um, top of the organization. They have a lot of guys in rookie ball who have come into the organization this past season. Uh, like they have Ethan Salas, who is the top international signing, who apparently might he's 16 and scouts are saying he might be the greatest catcher of all time. Essentially, they haven't said that. But everything I've read about him is like, oh my god, he's the real deal. Um, but really not a lot of top prospects ready to make the big league impact. They have uh, E-Guy Rosario, who I expect to see up as a depth guy this year. Because he can play third second short if you need him to. So I expect him to come up this year. If uh, injuries occur at their starting positions. But this projects to be probably the best this is the best lineup in baseball like it's this it's this team the blue jays the braves it, they're this is this might i think this is the best lineup in baseball super balanced all the way through um just gonna be a super tough to get through this lineup three times at least in in a game so good luck to anyone trying to do that and then the pitching pitching's fine uh, they just extended you Darvish. We know who you Darvish is. He's great. Uh, super creative pitcher, really smart. Blake Snell, uh, hopefully, will be healthy for most of the season this year. Joe Musgrove, who they also extended recently, he's out with like a toe injury. I don't think it's anything too catastrophic, but I don't know if he'll start the year uh, in the rotation. But likely he'll throw a lot of innings this year as he doesn't really have any nagging injuries right now besides his toe. Uh, Michael Waka, as well, who they signed, will be a very serviceable back-of-the-rotation guy. And then Nick Martinez, I know right now, is is supposed to be um, a back-of-the-rotation guy for them as well, but has uh, some some injury. It's like they, they imaged his arm, and they're not like, oh, this is terrible, but they really want to slow play him. So I don't know if he'll start the year on the rotation like Joe Musgrove. But they have Seth Lugo and then a prospect, Jay Groom, who will probably throw some innings this year for them. They're a little thin at starting pitcher, and I can see them either using an opener or trading for pitching depth because uh, they're a little thin in that department. But getting into the uh, bullpen, the bullpen projects to be one of the best in the game. Great bullpen. Josh Hader, one of the best closers in the game right now looked a lot more Josh Hader like in the playoffs than he did before he got traded to the Padres. Luis Garcia is a really good reliever. Steven Wilson will throw a lot of innings for them. Nabil Krismat is a good guy. Uh, Robert Suarez. Um, I know they're going to slow play him as well. Uh, but he will probably, he's one of the better relievers in baseball when he's pitching. Drew Pomeranz is also, um, uh, if we're if we're talking depth, he's kind of a pivotal part of their depth. He's out with an elbow injury right now. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but he hasn't really been healthy since he signed that deal with them. And he's a potential. He'll be in the bullpen, but he can start if they need him to. Uh, but he's hurt right now, so I don't know. This bullpen's got a lot of quality to it. Uh, got a lot of quality to it. Really good back of the. Back of the bullpen arms. I'm not too worried about this bullpen. If there's again, if there's one problem with this team, it might be starting pitching depth. Uh, 
But otherwise, this team is great, man. This team is great. I'm going to pick them to win the division. What is their over-under? Their over-under is 93.5. I'm taking the over on the Padres. 93.5. I think they take the division from the Dodgers finally. Um, It was awesome to see the entire city of San Diego rally around this team last year. They're bought in for a supposed small market team. Whatever that means. San Diego is a baseball town. And I'm looking forward to watching this team this year. Uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. So that is the NL West. Uh, Man, if you're listening this far, thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. But this is it for the NL West. Only one more division to preview. And that is the other West division, the AL West. And then, as I said, my Mariners preview will come after that. So with that, thank you all for listening. Please rate and review. Recommend to your friends. Check out my Substack. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and have a good day.